and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter tires starting at only $49.95. Only a Big O Tires, no credit needed financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk a little Utah USC coming up here momentarily with Adam Grossbard covers uh, USC for the Orange County Register. In fact, uh, let's waste no more time, Gordon. Let's get out to the zone phone. As I just mentioned, he covers USC for the OC Register. He's Adam Grossbard with us here on the big show. What's going on, Adam? How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, we're hoping uh, to finally see Utah play some college football this weekend. So we're, we're, we're trying to remain optimistic, Adam. I mean, it's 2020. Stranger things have happened. So give us a little bit of uh, uh, a review of the Trojans thus far and, and what you've observed. Well, it's been uneven. I think, you know, you can kind of justify in the first game beating Arizona State by one point. And, you know, Arizona State's a pretty good team. And USC still, you know, 300 days removed from their previous game. I think the Arizona game was a little bit harder to justify, especially, you know, that USC did a good job in terms of getting their penalties down. But they were still really struggling in short yardage situations. In the first half, Grant Gannell was really running on them until they put a spy on the quarterback. Um, And 11 penalties for 110 yards. Uh, They should have won that game by a lot more if they're just better in short yardage and if they're just – you know, cleaner and don't extend Arizona drives. And so, you know, you're kind of seeing some of the old problems from the past couple of years at USC. I've watched the uh, the closing minutes of both of USC's games. And uh, I guess if you go on the, the way the games have ended, then uh, you must feel pretty optimistic about what's going on with the Trojans. But like you said, there are these little issues that crop up. And my partner, Jake, He's frustrated because he thinks USC is going about their offensive approach wrong. And I don't want to necessarily speak for you, Jake, but uh, he thinks they should they should just run the freaking football, you know, student body left, student body right. And uh, because they have uh, availability of great athletes down there. But I, I think they have availability of great receivers, too. What, what do you think? Do they pass too much? I don't know if they pass too much. They've been right over, right around 170 rushing yards. The issue is that they are rushing. They're not getting a lot of push in the run game. And for chunks of the game, it feels like they don't really trust their running backs to get more than two or three yards per play. Um, they've been running it a pretty decent amount this year, and that's definitely an emphasis for them. But it's just the results in that area haven't been exactly what they would want in terms of per down by a per carry average. I just, uh, from the beginning, uh, did not like the fit of uh, of the air raid, quote-unquote, uh, offense at USC just because you're USC. Why do you need to get cute with some cute offense? Just, uh, you know, you're running back you. Recruit the next Reggie Bush and you're off to the races. Sure. The issue is they had some uh, difficulty keeping those guys healthy and, uh, well, 
I don't know, there's been one Reggie push. True. Not True. really sure there's been a second. <laughs> but um, no, it, it's. I, I think that there's. I think Graham Harrell's done a really good job at USC, and he's definitely the right fit for Keaton Slovis as quarterback. Um, it's just uh, trying to. I mean, they, they've been kind of playing a guessing game with the defenses they've been playing these last two weeks. It'll be interesting to see them going into a game where they really have an understanding, you know, maybe not of the personnel they're going to face, but of what the Utah defense does on a week-to-week basis. You mentioned Slovis there. What's your evaluation of him? Because I don't know if a quarterback can throw a sweeter pass than the one he threw to win the Arizona State game. I mean, that, that was a perfectly thrown ball. But what, what what about his overall performances? Well, I mean, he's still throwing over 70%. He's still throwing for around 300 yards, over 300 yards a game. So he's being very productive. What defenses have done is they've taken away the deep ball from him. Um, it's something we saw last year that Oregon and Notre Dame did to really good success against the USC offense. And so far, Arizona and Arizona State have both adopted that approach. Uh, the difference is this year, Slovis is a lot quicker to look to his checkdowns, and the running backs have become really involved in the pass game. Uh, it's a pretty good success. Um, I think one thing we've seen the last couple games is that uh, he's not throwing the tightest spiral. Like you said, that winning pass against Arizona State is as good as it gets. But he had a couple of throws against Arizona that were either over or under. Um, they think that the ball was just a little slick from the dry weather, which they also said the ball was a little slick from the wet weather in the opener. So I guess we'll see what happens against Utah. Um, I'm, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of curious to see if he can, you know, throw it a little bit more consistently, which is odd to say for someone throwing 70%. But that's just the standard that Slobis is being held to as a sophomore. Adam Grossbart is with us, covers USC for the Orange County Register. And as we alluded to earlier, obviously Utah is 0 for 2 in uh, in playing games this year. And they have a ton of turnover on their roster, mostly on defense, but they're going to have a new quarterback, a new running back, obviously. What have the coaches said about preparing for the Utes? Has that been challenging? Uh, I mean, they're just kind of preparing. This is easier for them than it was, say, against Arizona State, where they weren't really sure how the – Boise State offense from offensive coordinator Zach Hill was going to blend with Jaden Daniels at quarterback and the other personnel Arizona State had. So this is an easier situation where they don't really expect Kyle Whittingham to have changed the basics. It's just a matter of who's out there. They're going to prepare for all of the um, you know, different quarterback options and have an understanding of what those guys bring. I think the one thing that they're really leaning on is the fact that uh, safeties coach Craig Nivar coached uh, Texas against Utah in the bowl game last year. And so he's helping uh, develop the game plan. That's not particularly good news for the Utes there. (laughs) They they struggled in that game, I'll tell you that. Um, Let me circle back on what you were talking about earlier. I'm trying to figure out whether Arizona State and Arizona are good ball clubs Maybe Arizona is better than we thought they would be, or and USC is as good as we thought they'd be, or are are neither of those things true? And uh, SC uh, played beneath itself, and uh, and those teams aren't really all that good. I think we'll have a better idea of Arizona after their next game. 
I think USC certainly has a history of playing beneath itself just based off of the opponent that it has in front of them. Lots of letdown performances. I mean, BYU's having a great year last year, but BYU was not a very good team last year, and USC just really blew it against the Cougars in that game. And uh, so I, I think I think right now it's a case of USC playing beneath itself. Maybe Arizona is better than we thought. I think Arizona State, everyone saw as, you know, one of the contenders for the division title with USC and possibly Utah, depending on whoever it is that's starting at quarterback and how they do and how the young secondary does with the youths. Um, but I, I think, I still think USC, regardless of how good Arizona is, USC's playing beneath its talent level. So for the first time um, in a long time, the USC went outside the family to hire an athletic director, and they hire Mike Bone. Uh, yeah. tell us, give us your thoughts on that and the job he's done thus far. I think he's done a pretty solid job. I think he's preached patience, which has been really good. I think that he and uh, Chief of Staff Brendan Sosna have done a really, really good job of handling this uh, COVID situation as best they can. USC's had pretty minimal outbreaks. Um, and uh, USC was really ahead of the game in terms of its testing plans when it announced that it was going to be bringing athletes back for voluntary workouts. The uh, football team got shut down once for a two-week period at the end of August, beginning of September, which at that point we weren't even sure whether Pac-12 was going to play football in 2020 or not. Um, and so I think he's done a pretty good job in that sense, and I think he's... Uh, building a pretty solid standing within the alumni base so far. So if you were a betting man, and you're probably not, but if you were a betting man and I <laughs> said to you, who will be the coach of the Trojans uh, two seasons from now? Will it be Clay Helton or will it be Urban Meyer? Which way would you lean? Oh, I would lean probably not Clay Helton, but I'm not sure I would be putting the money down on Urban Meyer. I might be taking slightly higher odds on a different candidate, though I'm not totally sure who that was. I think a lot of people used to think it was James Franklin after watching Penn State this year. I don't know if he's going to be as popular a name on these uh, coaching hot boards moving forward, um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's. I, I, think, I don't think this is the year for Clay. I think that USC probably wins the division. And I don't think that they're going to fire a coach after, you know, a five and two, six and one season, um, depending on, again, how the bowl game goes too. But, uh, I mean, we're just seeing the same problems that we've seen from Clay. I, I think that 2021 is really going to be a put up or shut up year for them. So uh, overall conference question, if, if the Pac-12 does indeed have an undefeated 7-0 and team, do you think uh, the conference will be represented in the college football playoff? It's a good one. Um, I think it's going to depend, you know, how the rest of that top 10 plays out. I've been, I'm a AP voter this year, and I think it's going to be really hard for Oregon to really, you know, Oregon's got the best shot right now. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for them to get to that level and get ahead of, you know, even a 10-0 BYU team. Um, you know, are they going to get ahead of a two-loss but eight-win Notre Dame team? I'm not so sure about that. Um, you know, or one-loss Notre Dame, I guess, at this point. We've got to see how that uh, ACC championship game goes. Uh, but I, I, 
I struggle to see how they get to the top four if it were an expanded playoff, sure. But uh, I, I don't know. If anything, you know, me being an SMU alum, I'm kind of hoping we see like a Cincinnati or BYU somehow slip into that four spot. Just see uh, something for the G5s. Can you give us the name of one player that you fans should keep an eye on uh, from from SC uh, in this game? Someone they might not even know of, uh, but somebody who has caught your attention and you think is really, really worth watching. Well, I think uh, running back who's having really a breakout year is Marquis Stepp. I think I could see him having a really big game. He's been kind of building steam as he's been going. He's a very physical runner and tough. I think you could see a lot of him um, on the defensive side. Who, um, I mean, one guy who's playing at a completely different level than when he was last at Utah's Marlon Tuipulotu. He's really taken up the um, room that's been left by uh, Utah native Jay Tufele uh, declaring for the draft. And Tuipulotu, I think, has had eight tackles in each of the last two games. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage, taking up uh, blockers in the middle of the line. He's just been really a monster this year. He's really coming to his own as a junior. Well, Adam, thank you very much for jumping on with us today. We really appreciate it. And fingers crossed we're going to see Utah-USC this weekend. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. There you go. That's Adam Grossbard, uh, covers USC for the Orange County Register. Um, I, you know, would you think? Uh, would you think? Would you think of what he was saying about SC? Do you think? I mean, he he made it sound as as far as I could tell uh, that uh, that SC is really pretty good, but has not really shown how good it is. Or do you think that the, it's more fundamental than that, and it really might not be as as good as some people thought they were going to be? Oh, I think the USC has more to show. Um, you know, I, I at times didn't play particularly well in their first two games, but they got through it. I happen to think Arizona State had had potential to be pretty decent. We'll see, you know, if they, they have their full roster uh, at their disposal anytime soon. But um, I, I definitely think we haven't seen USC's best football. I don't know whose best football we have seen, to be honest, Gordon. This has been such a, <laughs> a, a bizarre situation. But I, I you know. I, I still don't think the air raid offense is, is a terrific fit for USC, but um, I would if, if you're asking me who I think the favorite in the conference right now is, I'm going to tell you Oregon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I I've not been that impressed by SC, man. I thought they would be they would show better than they have, and I know. I, as I've said many times, I think Clay Helton is a good guy. I don't think he's a great football coach. Um, and I think that's evident in what we see on the field with the Trojans. But but uh, I've been underwhelmed. Uh, I know they've won their games, but they've been lucky doing it. So we'll uh, we'll see, but I have no clue what to expect from Utah. Because, I mean, are they going to come out of the yes. gate rusty or are they going to come out of the gate? Uh, I mean, you know, read Nick Ford's tweet last week where he said, I feel sorry for whoever it is that gets to line up against me first. I mean, do we see like a like a team that's super pent up and comes out, you know, super aggressive? I mean, I expect mistakes from Utah because they're going to be young and they haven't played yet. But how much of an impact is that going to have? I think I, I believe that Utah is more of the story going into this game than SC. 
I think we can expect what I, we've seen from SC. I, I'm, I'm more curious to see what we see from the Utes. Well, I certainly am curious to see what Utah brings to the table for all the reasons that you've already brought up. But I, I wonder, since two of their games have already been canceled, I wonder if that takes a little bit of the the verve out of them a little bit. Because uh, there's it's it's fat chance that they're going to win the South. I don't know how they do that unless SC loses a, a bunch of games. that Not loses the games, but can't play the games. So, I mean, how are they ever going to catch up? I, I expect there to be plenty of verve. I hear what you're saying, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I bet you for those ki- uh, college students sitting there the last two weeks watching the rest of the league play, I bet there's a, there's a real desire to get out there and, and play really hard. So I, don't, I, I expect plenty of verve from the Utes. I think if the Utes lose to the Trojans, it's because they make too many mistakes. Yeah, that could be, uh, being the first game that they're playing and the first time they're really lining up when it counts. Uh, yeah, Kyle Whittingham was saying that the team was frustrated from hitting one another, Oh yeah, what, three, four weeks ago. Right. Yeah, that was and three, so, four weeks ago. Yeah, I, bet it, yeah, so, I bet it's been amplified since then. Yeah. So for them to have to sit back and just watch other teams in their league play and they haven't been able to go – Maybe they will come out like a rocket. But I, I do wonder about the other part of it because you're the one that always talks about oh, what motivation it is for players to have a shot to win something in their league. And and I don't know whether that shot is really available to the Utes anymore. See, I, I do believe that. Uh, but I also believe that this year has been madness. And I think, I, I think that just playing is going to be a lot of motivation. I mean, some of that other stuff, you know. It just doesn't matter because the the situation is so unique and so dire. I think they just want to play. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I I, I hear what you're saying, and I do think that that is a factor in in normal years. But this year, I just don't know. I I think if you'd ask every BYU player right now, they would tell you they're grateful for every second they've played. And I bet you if you talk to every youth player, they're just dying to play uh, for a a couple of minutes even. Well, there's no doubt that this year has been – Abby, normal. Abby terrible. reference there. Did you guys think that movie was funny? Uh, the, the What is it, the, the Mel Brooks one? Yeah. I haven't know, seen it in a long time. I did think it was funny, if memory serves. I, I wonder if back. it would hold up. I see, I see some movies, I remember movies from like the 70s, and uh, that I thought were pretty good, uh, and uh, then you see them again, and some of them don't weather the uh, the aging process all that well. But uh, I don't know if Young Frankenstein fits into that category. That could be a classic. Yeah, Mel Mel yeah. Brooks is a genius. Anything he does holds but, up. But it's been yeah, it's been anything but normal. That's for sure. And so I, I you know, I guess that's part of the curiosity and the mystery to what we're going to see on Saturday. Most people just settle for seeing the team on the field. I mean, you'd fans probably at the point now where they'd rather see them on the field and lose than not see them on the field at all. Oh, 100%. I think you're totally right about that. Uh, real quick, we have some uh, interesting NBA news coming from our buddy Sam Amick. Um, he says, sources tell The Athletic the Bucks kings sign-in trade, which was expected to send restricted free agent Bogdan Bogdanovich to Milwaukee in exchange for Dante DiVincenzo. 
Vincenzo, DJ Wilson, and Ursan Ilyasova is in peril as there was never an agreement from the 28-year-old small forward to join the Bucks, and that element has become a major issue. High-ranking wow. team official says deal has issues and outcome is, outcome is unclear. Wait a minute. They didn't ask Bogdanovich, <laughs> who's a restricted free agent, if he wanted to go to Milwaukee before they, they did that deal? Could they legally ask him? Because uh, legally, wow. I don't think that, that – I thought that was the whole hubbub was – how did they get a sign-in trade agreed to when you're not supposed to be talking about such things uh, right now? No, that's a that's a great point. Uh, but it, <laughs> you can't pull off a sign-in trade if the guy doesn't want to sign. That's a that's a pretty you know that's a pretty delicate uh, part of the whole proposition. Yeah, imagine somebody would have reviewed that. Right. And I guess you could. How possible would this be? I, I guess you could. Let him go find a deal elsewhere, match it, and then trade him. But you can't do that right away. Yeah, there's a moratorium right. of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah. I don't. <laughs> when, de- when deals go bad like this, oh, it leaves everything in a mess. The of course, Jazz it's know the that. Kings. They've seen it. Oh, of mm. course, it's the Kings. Can you imagine uh, Bogdanovich reading that uh, that news yesterday, or whenever <laughs> it was? Was it yesterday or the day before? Being like, wait, what? Wait, wait, <laughs> honey. I think- have I missed a call? <laughs> I think my opinion might matter a little bit in this whole deal. <laughs> wow. Uh, the Kings, you, you right on the nose there, Austin. Yeah, of course it's the Sacramento Kings. Of course it is. All right, we'll get to more uh, coming up next. Stay tuned. We've got what's going on at 4. Locke's going to jump on with us at 5. But let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Uh, helping our listeners, and you've helped a lot of our listeners, Andrew, because there's uh, a lot of guys out there dealing with this. Yes, there is. If there's uh, anybody out there listening now struggling with erectile dysfunction, things aren't going so well in the bedroom, that's exactly what we do. And I think we're kind of doing breakthrough stuff because guys no longer have to take the pill after 30 years, of course, of taking that pill. Nobody wants to do it. We use uh, an FDA-registered device called acoustic wave therapy. Uh, A treatment is maybe 10 minutes It's a device that's placed on the skin and delivers gentle pressure waves into the blood vessels. Now, that agitates those blood vessels just enough. You don't feel it, but just enough to open them up, clear out, and even regrow so that when the timing is right in the bedroom, things work like they should. The blood flows where you want it, when you want it, and we can now finally reverse erectile dysfunction without the use of medication. So treat the problem, not the symptom. That's exactly right. We've been treating the symptoms. We've been putting a Band-Aid on the problem for 30 years. And now when we go and repair blood vessels, uh, things work like they should. Every guy can think back to life in the bedroom. They worked with no stress. You know, you didn't even have to think about it. As far as I know, our treatments are the only thing that can restore that. 801-901-8000, number to call. And it's a great time to jump on the schedule because you're doing a lot for free. We are giving away so much for free. Put a stop to the erectile dysfunction. And let's not forget that ED affects two people. So we're really repairing relationships call us now the assessment will be free the exam even the blood flow ultrasound will throw in a little special gift that guys absolutely love this it produces instant results 
in the bedroom. And now, limited time, new patients even get free testosterone. Call us now. It's all free. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate it. Hey, a little breaking news. How about this? Uh, Woj reporting the Sixers are trading Al Horford and a first round select, uh, a first round and second round pick to the Thunder in exchange for Danny Green. The, the Thunder just picked up a, another first round pick. Jeez, they don't have enough, Jake. Sam Presti making it happen, and and the Sixers. How desperate are they to get off Al Horford? That that's not looking like a terrible contract. Uh, awful, really poor signing. It never made any sense to me last year. So there you go, little NBA movement. It's going to be a wild day. Got to love it. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The NBA dance continues on. It's the Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you didn't hear the news going into the uh, the last uh, break there, Gordon, the Sixers are pulling off a deal. They're uh, trading Al Horford and a first and second round pick to the Thunder for Danny Green. And, you know, who cares about Danny Green? That's just for salaries. But it's the Thunder uh, taking on a bad contract in exchange for a first and second round pick. I'll tell you what, Sam Presti is is writing the book on how to do a rebuild right now, in my opinion. And <laughs> He's and been busy, hasn't he? He's somebody I've doubted at times in the past. You know, I don't think he got equal value for James Harden, for example. And they were like, the, the remember that, Gordon, where it was like $5 million they were arguing over and decided to move, yeah. you know, uh, James Harden, which just didn't seem like a good move to me. But in this case, I mean, you know, flipping Paul George and Russell Westbrook for all these first-round picks and continue, uh, continuing just to stockpile assets at the same time, having a very nice young roster, pretty amazing what's going mm-hmm. on in Oklahoma City right now. I'll agree with that for sure. And, uh, yeah, it takes, it takes guts and it takes imagination to do those kinds of things. So I, I like it. I tip of the cap to him. I because I don't know, it's kind of fun to see some somebody uh, wheeling and dealing. Well, and then from the Sixers' standpoint, how bad of a signing was it to sign Al Horford last year? Jeez. Yeah, that was that was never a good idea. Give I him don't know what they were thinking on a, that a, one. Way too much money, and sign a player yeah. that is not a good fit for your roster. I thought that at the very right. beginning. I was like, this is just nothing but duplication. Why would you do this? And yeah. why would you give him mm-hmm. that kind of scratch? That's madness. And and for we we talked about this at the beginning of the show, Gordon. When you make you know mistakes. It can really hurt you. That that signing is uh, costing the Sixers a first and second round pick just to get off of it. Yes, and uh, it's just it gets back to what we were talking about yesterday. Sometimes stacking talent alone is not enough. Al Horford's a fine player, but it was a bad fit. And and Philly is an example of how not to finish a rebuild. Because they did all that, you know, the processes process. and all that stuff and have uh, thrown away most of what, you know, they, they work to get. Now, I, I'm being a little dramatic because certainly, uh, uh, you know, Embiid and Simmons are, are above average players in the NBA, regardless of how I feel about uh, Simmons shooting. But, I mean, 
basically, other than those two guys, they've done nothing but mangle this situation. Sure looks like it. Right down to and oh, sorry. right down to hiring their front office people. I mean, it's it's been messy. And then firing them for a ridiculous yes. scandal uh, involving <laughs> fake Twitter accounts. And then hiring what appears to be the wrong guys again, and and maybe Elton Brand has some magic left in there. Although didn't they they just hired uh, Daryl Morey? So uh, interesting there in the front office with with Philadelphia. But that, isn't that interesting? Morey comes in and his first deal is like, okay, we got to get off this terrible signing. You know that big thing you did last year, Elton? Yeah, we're <laughs> we're undoing that as soon as my we first can. my first act. As a power broker here, we're going to undo what you've already done. We're going to undo your big move last year. <laughs> and we're going to pay to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, so a lot of things popping right now as far as the NBA goes. And we'll see if that continues straight into the night. I kind of think it will. Cause, and maybe, maybe this is uh, flawed logic. But since the salary cap isn't what teams expected it to be, there's, it kind of limits your ability to get better, right? You know, if you're a team that thinks you're a piece or two away, you're probably not below the salary cap because there are only four teams that are below the salary cap. So you got to figure out a way to get better, and and trades really are are almost your only option because so few rookies come in and make an immediate impact. That this is the way that teams have to get better is draft day trades. Yeah, they don't want to be throwing around money in the free agency market. Well, you can't unless you're the what is yeah. it? The Hawks, the Pistons. What were the four uh, we went over with Eric Pincus uh, on Monday? He gave us four names. I yeah. double check. The Hawks are one of them because they're the most active so far. Uh, in like the the they're rumored to sign Gallinari and Rajon Rondo. Um, Do they want Gordon Hayward? And maybe they want Gordon Hayward. But like if you're uh, if you're the Nuggets, just to use a team that's not the Jazz, and you feel you feel like you're a piece or two away. You can't go out and sign that piece in free agency. So you got to do something else, and that would be, you know, a draft a draft day trade's probably a pretty good time to do it. So I think we're going to see a lot of fireworks. Yeah, yeah, so stay tuned. The Thunder, by the way, now will have three picks in the top 34 tonight, including 25 and 28. What are the odds they make those three picks? Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to peek into their uh, war room to figure that out. But uh, no, if if the past is any track record uh, or predictor of the future, then you could see more action. Yeah. I wonder what uh, Oklahoma City now does with Steven Adams. I mean, do they, you know, do you flip Steven Adams because he has more value than Al Horford and just eat Al Horford's contract but maintain having a center at the same time? How many years does uh, Horford have? Here, let me see. Uh, give me a second, Gordon. Talk. I, I think I think Horford's a. I still he's a use, he's a useful player. I I think I might consider doing that. It depends on what does Stephen Adams want. What, what what are his goals? What are his desires? I I think I'd find out who wanted to stay and who wanted to go. Al Horford has three years left on his deal. Next year, making twenty-seven five. The year after, twenty-seven even, and the year after that, twenty-six five. What a terrible contract! And how old is he? Uh, let's see. You know, you can forty-nine. Google that. Is he really? Has he been around that long? I've always Googled. Uh, no, he's not forty-nine. I was exaggerating. Basketball Reference doesn't have it. Gordon, Google it. Okay. 
Well, I mean, that would play a, a role as far as my evaluation of that, because if he could play the way he's played uh, in in recent years, uh, then, you know, by, by NBA standards, he could conceivably be worth that. No way he's worth that. He's 34 and took uh, a, well, a, a, quite the I, step back I, last year. That, yeah, but last year was weird. Um yeah, okay, that's getting up there. That's just so one of the worst contracts in the league. <laughs> that is so bad. How did they sign him for that? That is so bad. Well, especially mm. since he didn't fit. It was never a good idea. Wow. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. You make some oh, well. good deals and you make some bad ones, you know, and the guys who make the good ones usually keep their jobs. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. Let's see what look at what Philly's done. Yeah, let's see what Stephen Adams' contract looks like here for a second. Uh, I mean, can't you see him on the right team, really contributing? Well, more for Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah, and he's in the last year of his deal, so he he'd be extremely valuable. Centers aren't uh, valued the way they once were, but. That guy knows exactly what his role is and can give it to you and could give you a boost as as he does so. Uh, I like him. I, I think he's uh, a worthwhile addition to a number of teams. Yeah, well, I, like, I think he'd be the perfect fit on like Golden State, for example, where if you, oh, Golden yeah. State could mm-hmm. go really small and play Draymond at the big, or they could go with a, a big bruising center like Steven Adams where they would be more capable of playing against different teams. That's a great fit. I mean, he would fill the role of, uh, of what Andrew Bogut was trying to do for him uh, in their initial runs. Right. Well, and did for them, you know. Mm-hmm. At times, until he couldn't. Although, didn't they bring him back? What was it two years ago, where they brought him back for the playoffs? Yeah, I think he got another ring, he... wasn't it? Two years ago, I think he did. Was it? But somebody like that. I mean, it, it, I would, I would guess that Adams wants to go to a contender. He's got one year left on his deal, so that's the the perfect opportunity for a team really to overspend and make a run at it, adding a player like that. And then, you know, the financial consequences aren't necessarily long term where you're, you're spending multiple years in the luxury tax. So if I'm Oklahoma City, I'm thinking uh, I, I flip Steven Adams to a contender and stockpile even more picks. Yeah, that makes sense to me, yeah. Those picks are great assets uh, to utilize. Any, it's like having a bunch of currency, and uh, you can use it any which way you want. For a rebuilding team, it's it's extraordinarily mm-hmm. valuable. Uh, that means that yep. you know if you have those kind of picks, that means you can get anybody you want in any draft. Or, you know, flip those picks to for, for veterans on other rebuilding teams when you feel like you're there and ready to, to make a move and win. I, I, I really admire what Presti's doing in Oklahoma City. Pretty amazing. Yeah, you may not always agree with everything he does, but I'm telling you, he's got a plan. The best move he ever made was somehow hypnotizing Paul George and convincing him to stay. That is what made all of this possible. <laughs> if they did not convince him to re-sign their then they would be in a significantly different position. Well, when they first got him, didn't everybody think they were just going to punt? Well, they, uh, everybody, and, including me, thought he would be there to play that last year and then would yeah. go to L.A. Because, I mean, Magic was on the Tonight Show talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody thought, well, well, geez, why would you give up an all-star like Victor Oladipo? Or eventually became an all-star uh, for, uh, for a guy who's just going to play for a year. And then somehow... 
Presty drugged him one night and, and <laughs> convinced See, him to sign a contract. I don't think that was as much Presty as it was Russell Westbrook got him a bunch of expensive liquor and a big old party one night. Do you remember? And while he had been liquored, then he like, signed. Like here, oh, I just happen to have the contract here, Paul. Let's, uh, Paul, let's, can I get your autograph? Let's get that done. <laughs> and Paul wakes up the next morning, terrible headache. What like, have I wait, done? what did I do? <laughs> That's quite a theory. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that was the best thing that ever happened to the Thunder franchise. I'm not kidding. More crystal. <laughs> that's, uh, that's remarkable. And then to somehow move Can I off get of your autograph. Somehow move off Russell Westbrook's contract, and then somehow move off Chris Paul's contract. Jeez. Just Trevor Booker Free just blast. tweeted out, <laughs> "Sam Presti, you're a monster." Just give him the GM of the Year award now. I don't. I don't even care how his team plays next year. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> Good for him. He's Good made multiple him. deals where I've thought, how on earth are they going to get off that contract? And then he does it. Now he's got another one in Al Horford. How on earth does he get out of that contract? He probably will. He will. Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty incredible. Oh, man. Wow. All right. Stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show uh, Draft Day Edition coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll have what's going on coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Locke will join us at 5. We're just uh, chatting off the air about, uh, I, I can't get over this uh, Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, news today that our friend Sam Amick reported. Yeah, be very clear. Not Bojan, <laughs> yes. but Bogdan, Bogdanovich, who is a very good player in his own right, by the way. Yes, he is. Um so if, if you're just joining us, that trade uh, came out yesterday that he was uh, going to the Milwaukee Bucks. The news Apparently today, it was news to him. Yeah, the news today is that he was never <laughs> consulted and never agreed to the sign and trade, which would seem to be a real key component in all this because, yeah. you know, he has to sign to be traded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, Austin and I were just debating here, just coming back. What, what would his motivation be for not signing? I mean, would he really not want to go to Milwaukee and, and play for a title? Does he want to? Because if, if the motivation is he wants to choose where he plays next, well, Sacramento can just match whatever, right? Oh, wait a minute. Where was he before Sacramento? Oh, where was he before Sacramento? Oh, it was. I don't know. Uh, I've been Again, Google is your friend. Yeah, no, I don't have my computer in front of me right now. Sorry. Um, He's only been in Sacramento. Yeah, that's it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was. He was in Serbia else. before that, but that, I think that's <laughs> okay. where he's from. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I would. I think I'd much rather play alongside Giannis. So maybe uh, maybe this is just I, I was uh, thinking about this. Maybe he hates Sacramento so much that this he just doesn't want them to benefit from. Oh. Uh, well. 
Well, I guess maybe this is like a like a bitter move, like a bitterness move. Like I'm going to go sign a big deal elsewhere, and if you match it, I'll make you trade me then. I'm not going to let you trade me now when it benefits you. And this is where it gets confusing, Gordon, because Bojan has been with four teams now: the Nets, mm-hmm. the Wizards, the Pacers, and now the Jazz. But Bogdan has only been in the league three years with the the Kings. Well, he's a fine player. Uh, we all agree on that. Anybody have a dissenting view there? No, I, I think he's uh, he's really good. I think he's about to get even better. I think yeah, this, I, he's a real up and coming guy. He's not a 100 percent complete player. I well, I'm I'm not sure where the ceiling on him. I I could see him possibly making an All Star game in his career. Maybe a couple. I don't know if I see him being a perennial All Star. Well, the way Sam described it was that the deal is in peril. And I, 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 when I first heard that, I thought maybe, maybe he just wanted to be made aware <laughs> because, you know, and that he would, that he wouldn't let it get in the way. But if the deal is in peril, that makes it sound like he may nix the whole thing. Yeah, he might. That would be a, that would be a move right there. Well, uh, I guess everybody can't make deals like Sam Presti does. He'd rather uh, Bogdanovich would rather risk staying in Sacramento than play in Milwaukee. What does that tell you? Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Uh, well, we'll see if that gets cleared up or not. Uh, you certainly hope so, because these deals, when they <laughs> when they get recalled, it gets very awkward. And the Jazz have had a couple of cases like that when Ronnie Cycli decided he he. <laughs> Where was he? He was in Miami, right? Yeah. He didn't want to come to Utah and uh, and Derek Harper. Well, we were didn't talking wanna... off the air about when it was too late to go back on a deal, and it it really is until the the paperwork is final. Uh, you know, pretty much anybody could back out on it. No, I'm pretty sure Saiku was the Heat. So it has to it has to pass through the league office, pass through uh, uh, Woj's eyeballs. And then, and then it uh, is official after that. Yeah, it has to be officially, official, officially, official. I remember uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it was the magic, Austin. Okay, uh, remember when? Uh, um, oh, now I'm going blank on his name. Uh, DeAndre Jordan signed with uh, yeah. signed with the Mavericks, and then yeah, that was messy. And then uh, didn't uh, like Doc and some of those players like lock him in a hotel room or something like that, and <laughs> pretty much force him to resign him. with the Clippers. <laughs> Yeah, and supposedly yeah. Mark Cuban was driving around town looking for him. <laughs> that was one of the weirder parts of that story. And Mark Cuban's yeah, like, was. you know, I th- I think I know where he lives. He's my employee. I don't think I'd be driving around Gets town. HR on the phone. Yeah, I don't think I'd be- <laughs> what address is on that pay stub? <laughs> Get me an Uber. What do you mean? Uh, driving around town. Driving around for town. Him. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, some so crazy stuff happens sometimes. But generally, when you hear a deal announced, you you think, yeah, okay, that that wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been put out there unless uh, you know all they the actually, details were taken care of. Yeah. He, he, like actually talking to the player you're trying to sign a trade. <laughs> He'll be cool with it. I, I promise. Like actually having that conversation uh, with the player. That's pretty, I uh, wonder how much we're going to be talking about deals like this for the rest of the night, because as you said earlier, Jake, uh, that this is an opportunity for teams who are somewhat limited in this offseason to uh, make some things happen. Yeah, to make themselves better. I hope so. I hope we're we're in for a wild night. I really do. All right, let's uh, jump out of the zone phone. We'll have what's going on for you coming up right around the corner. Uh, Joining us now, our friend from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he is Andrew Reinhardt. And, uh, Andrew, you know, a lot of uh, guys are are kind of ashamed when it comes to, to ED, and they don't need to be. You know, get on it. You can get back to normal. 
Yes, you can. It's so much worse to do nothing about erectile dysfunction because the problem gets worse and the relationship is what suffers. So uh, I think the manly thing to do is to get it taken care of. We sometimes feel like we're less of a man if we have erectile dysfunction and we are fighting to change that stigma. Wasatch Medical uses uh, something called acoustic wave therapy. This is really cool because it opens up and regrows blood vessels and usually it does it relatively uh, quickly. A treatment is 10 minutes. You might need a few of them over a couple weeks' time, and that's it. That is pretty quick when you think about taking pills for a, life, uh, for a lifetime. This is the normal, the natural function. When we open up the blood vessels just a little bit, it's enough blood flow to reverse erectile dysfunction and restore normal function in the bedroom. See, that's got to be hugely appealing because, I mean, really uh, taking a pill or whatever for the rest of your life or simply a couple of weeks and, and you could be back to normal, That's that sounds awesome. Yes, and the typical guy that's maybe healthier, uh, his ED is more mild, he'll start seeing results generally with the first treatment or two. It progresses from there. So you don't have to wait all that long. Um, we've seen incredible things. We've treated thousands of men. And what we do at the end of the day is we restore relationships. Don't forget that erectile dysfunction affects two people and the emotional toll it takes on a man is significant. But I also think there's a, an emotional toll on the significant other or the spouse. And uh, they probably are feeling the impacts of this. So let's get it fixed. Let's eliminate those pills and eliminate all of those negative side effects. Absolutely. The time is now 801 901 901-8000. And hey, if you've just been thinking about it, now's a great time to do it because there's a lot for free right now. Yes, there's a lot for free. You may be spending more time with your significant other when the uh, holidays approach in here. Call us now. We will do the assessment for free. We'll do the exam. Uh, this will be a meeting with the doctor. He'll even do a blood flow ultrasound free. Uh, we'll throw in a little special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. You're going to love that. And new patients even get free testosterone with us. So that'll be the drive, the energy, the ambition in the bedroom. Uh, we've got this totally covered. Give us a call now. It's all free. All right, 801-901-8000. You heard him, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. What's going on? Straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.